Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. The show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week, we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Now, here's your host, the award-winning Paul Vogelzang. Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today we dive into a narrative that only revolutionizes our understanding of an iconic rock band, but challenges conventional thought about who deserves a piece and a place in the annals of history. Joining us today is Smithsonian Associate and previous guest here on the program, Beatles historian, author, Kenneth Womack. Ken Womack will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our website for more details about Ken Womack's presentation titled Living the Beatles Legend, the Untold Story of Mal Evans. We have a lot to unpack today, so let's get into it. What you're about to hear challenges the way we view history, music, and the people who stand just outside the limelight. In advance of Ken Womack's presentation at Smithsonian Associates, our conversation today takes an unexpected turn as Ken Womack delves into his latest work, a biography about Mal Evans. Womack's book, Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans, is the story of the Beatles' longtime personal assistant. For those of you unfamiliar with Mal Evans, you're not alone. His story is largely untold, and much of what's been written about him has turned out to be incorrect. This book by Ken Womack backed by exhaustive research that only Ken Womack can do, seeks to set the record straight. The Evans that emerges from Womack's work is a far cry from the hulking background figure that history has often painted. Mal Evans, the Beatles' longtime roadie personal assistant and devoted friend, was an invaluable member of the band's inner circle. A towering figure in horn-rimmed glasses, Mal Evans loomed large in the Beatles' story, contributing at times as a performer and sometimes lyricist while struggling to protect his beloved boys. Mal Evans was there for the whole of the group's remarkable story, from the Shea Stadium triumph through the creation of the timeless cover art for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and the famous Let It Be rooftop concert. As March rolled on, the boys began to make quick work of the Sgt. Pepper LP. A deadline of sorts had materialized for the album's completion. On April 3rd, Paul planned to surprise Jane Asher, who was still on tour with the Old Vic in North America, to celebrate her upcoming 21st birthday. At the beginning of March, Jeff Emmerich and the other members of EMI's staff were starting to feel the pressure. By the end of the album, it wasn't unusual for sessions to start at midnight and finish at dawn, which put a strain on all of us, the engineer recalled. We sometimes suspected that Mal Evans was putting something in our tea to keep us awake, but we never found out for sure. I doubt very much if he ever dosed us with acid. It wouldn't have been very helpful to the Beatles if we were tripping in the control room. Uh, 
but I suppose it's possible that he might have occasionally spiked the tea with a mild upper. Meanwhile, as the Beatles were putting the finishing touches on the new LP, Mal and Neil were consumed with a project of immense complexity. Working with pop artist Peter Blake and Jan Haworth, Blake's creative collaborator and wife, the band had envisioned an ambitious cover design, and Mal and Neil were tasked with bringing together the, vari- the various elements, costumery, photographs, props, even landscaping of all things, for the tableau being constructed in the studio. Haworth vividly recalled Mal's good-natured attitude during their lengthy sessions to stage the cover art. He was a very sweet person in a world of poseurs, she said. Where everyone else seemed fractious and self-serving, Mal was laid back and genuine. And in the midst of everything, Mal and Neil took on the guise of moving men, transporting household items for Ringo and Maureen down from Liverpool to Sunny Heights. Up in Liverpool, Gary joined his father as he loaded up the trailer with furniture. They were joined by Neil, who was driven over to Mosley Hill by his girlfriend, Mona Best, and their five-year-old son, Rogue, who played in the yard with Gary. Before he made the return trip to London, Mal gazed at Gary in wonder, contemplating his good fortune. Love him, he wrote in his diary. Think I'd give my life for him. Hope I would. At the same time, Mal made a point of speculating about his motives for keeping a diary in the first place. Do I write this for other people to read, he wondered? Was the act of journaling about his emotions and experiences a performance for somebody else's benefit? Was the roadie maintaining his diaries for posterity? That, of course, is our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Beatles historian and author of the new book, Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans. Ken Womack. Ken's graciously agreed to read this passage from his wonderful book, and we've got him today, so please join me in welcoming back to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate Ken Womack. Ken Womack, welcome back to the program. Uh, so glad to be here. I'll tell you, it's so good to talk to you. I love all things Beatles. We've been, um, of course, uh, so fortunate to have heard your reading. Um, that's wonderful. And and uh, we're going to talk about your new book, Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans. The book is fantastic. I, I just can't recommend it enough. I know our audience is going to be excited to get into this with you. You're going to be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up. So why don't we talk first about that, then we'll jump into the book. We'll talk about Mal Evans and really get into this, uh, Ken Womack, because this is just going to be fascinating. I'm really, really excited to talk to you again. I, I just always love talking about the Beatles with you, and you're going to be talking about the Beatles at your Smithsonian Associates presentation. Why don't you tell us briefly about what you're going to be talking about there and how you'll use Zoom to engage us. We're all on Zoom these days. You bet. So um, I'll be speaking about Mal Evans, who was the Beatles roadie, um, before Beatlemania hit uh, England in October 1963, Mal was there as a full-time roadie along with Neil Aspinall. And uh, I'll be talking about his life, um, the journals that he kept, uh, the photographs that he took, etc., um, all of which 
uh, might have been lost to the world, uh, but thanks to an enterprising temporary worker in 1988 who found them 12 years after Mal died, uh, we're able to enjoy and learn from his materials. And uh, as always, when I when I do my talk uh, for our good friends at the Smithsonian, um, I will have all sorts of visual imagery uh, ready for you. Mal was a wonderful sketch artist. Um, we have great music uh, that we'll listen to along the way. We'll see his actual diaries and photographs of the Beatles. Um, and it will all come to life splendidly with a series of GIFs. <laughs> yeah, it will come to life Um Again, the book is fantastic, the title of which is Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans by Ken Womack, our guest today. You know, you, you so generously read that that passage. And, and one of the images that just jumped out at me, which I, I thought was – all the images in the book are fantastic. But one that jumped out to me was and, – and you kind of make reference to this section at the end of your reading as this – memorialization of Mal's life, this journaling, this diary. John Lennon at one point wrote Mal a note signed by John saying, good luck with the book. Heaven help us all. <laughs> I just thought, uh-oh, there's, there's something there that we got to know about. What what was the most shocking revelation that, that you found in some of this unpublished work, the archives that you, you mentioned? Well, you know, the, sh the shocking revelations, and, and I think this is what John Lennon meant, uh, were about Mal. Mm -hmm. and, you know, his emotional life, his uh, imaginative life, um, you know, for the, for the outside world, who got to know Mal pretty well through photographs, even during the age of the Beatles themselves. You know, it, he seemed like a lovable, perhaps even oafish character, and he just isn't. You know, he's thoughtful. Um, you know, wide thinking, well read. Um, and, uh, you know, this is his version of life inside this Beatles whirlwind, which um, I, I think was a lot more harrowing than people ever, ever recognized, you know, harrowing rather. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, than people recognized, you know, um, by 1965, they're seeing lots of violence on, on the concert trail. It's uh, it was rough going. Yeah. I, I thought it was, again, kind of referring back to, to the reading you selected, you know, the, the artist um, Jan Hayworth, I think it's, it's her name that, that's referred to there. She said that Mal's not a poser. He, he was a very deep person, you know, not, a, not an oaf by any means, but, but he was a big man. I mean, physically a big man. And he left this very stable job to dive headlong into this world of, of rock and roll, which, you know, there, there was some violence. What was it that motivated Mal and, and especially what really drove this deep relationship, this connection that he had with the Beatles? You know, um, he was like a number of folks that we see uh, enter their orbit around this time and, and even earlier. Uh, Stu Stutcliffe, his family, um, you know, the, the ill-fated bassist for the Beatles, uh, who died in 1962, you know, his family couldn't believe that since he was so talented at art, he was spending his time with these guys. And he said, I just want to find out what's going to happen, hmm. you know, and, and I think Mal was of that ilk, too. He recognized that something really special uh, was taking place and he wanted to see what would happen, um, you know, and, and was willing to take certain risks. They were definitely risks, though. You know, the Beatles are so commonplace now. It's it's hard to even remember 
that this was not always so, that, you know, there was a moment when they could have been the thing they feared the most, a flash in the pan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that, um, you know, that they might not have stood the test of time, much less the test of 1963. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, so um, Mal gives us a, a deep window into that. This was a great risk that he took. Um, and, uh, you know, working with Jan Haworth, you mentioned her mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. she could tell that he was the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mal, knowing, you know, the, the nature of this enterprise, threw himself headlong uh, into the process when it came to sketching out possible logos for Apple Records. He was all in. <laughs> you know, whatever they wanted him to do, Mal was going to do. He came up with his own Sergeant Pepper logo. You know, he didn't had no issues when they didn't use it. Uh, but he, you know, he he just wanted to be a part of things and to, you know, roll up his sleeves and be of assistance. Yeah, and he he was this amazing assistant and you know, we all focused on the Fab 4. And that was just, you know, what what drove everything. But here is this man, this important man behind the scenes, this unsung contributor who, as you say, did this this artwork. He participated. He is kind of known as a roadie, but he was just so much more than that. He even had some influence on some of the Beatles music. And I wonder if you talk for just a second about what what that was all about, some of the instances that, you know, where he was driving some of the lyrics and some of the songs and some of the creative influence there. Sure. So uh, McCartney especially had no issue whatsoever asking Mal for his opinion, to add a lyric here and there. And and they did this sort of thing, you know, in the studio. They had a, a really small entourage overall. They're, the Beatles didn't have a huge team of people that they ran around with. It just wasn't like that. Um, they had the folks back home from Liverpool, George Martin, you know, Brian Epstein. And that really was it when it came to the studio. And so Mal and Neil were part of everything and, and they were trusted, you know. So on occasion, if they wanted Mal to take up a percussive instrument or play a, a note on a keyboard, there he was and they trusted him to do it. And there's a wonderful scene in the Get Back docu-series where you can see Paul sort of running the lyrics uh, of a long and winding road by Mal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually offers a pretty good change uh, in terms of uh, a middle section there in the song. So, you know, these were really trusted folks right at the heart of this this storm that they were all uh, living inside of for, you know, six, seven years. He was also known as you know, a guardian angel of sorts for for his boys. He he kind of referred to him. What were some of the instances where, you know, he had to make some difficult decisions or maybe make some sacrifices on behalf of the of the Beatles? Well, I mean, when we talk about sacrifices, and and this is an important aspect of this story, Mal sacrifices a lot of time with his family, probably more than he needed to, even by the Beatles' estimation. So. Um, you know, his devotion to them is paramount to understanding his his makeup. He he's arguably too devoted to them. There's a lovely quote. We even reprinted it on the back of the book that Mal said, you know, I couldn't get enough of them. They were better than food and drink, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, for Mal, he loved food and drink. His big guy who had big appetites that that's saying something. Um so he does make lots of sacrifices. You know, there are moments when he puts himself in the fray. Um, in Manila, famously, in 1966, 
you know, he barely escapes with his life after the Marcos is set upon the Beatles and basically drum them out of the country. Um, you know, there's a moment, uh, probably the only time he got in a real fight was on behalf of George Harrison at Paris's Olympia Theater in 1964, um, you know, which Mal thought was kind of funny because, you know, they think that he's this big, you know, uh, this big guy who's going to kind of impress you with his fierceness when, in fact, he was a teddy bear. You know, he didn't want to hit anybody <laughs> or be hit. You know, he would secretly say, I'm a giant coward. <laughs> you know, I don't want that. But, you know, he seemed mis menacing to some. And he would use his size um, when they would have people who would try to corner them in, in London, for example. Mal would, you know, very gently and very carefully edge them out of the way by using his his hulking figure uh, to do so. You know, he he felt like, though, that when he was doing that, he would need to do it in the nicest way possible, because when he did, he was representing the Beatles. So he didn't want a headline that said, you know, fan roughed up by Beatles roadie. He wanted them to have a good conversation. He And he was a, a great uh, person with a gift of gab. And uh, when they were sent on their way, feel good about it. Ken Womack, returning guest, is with us today. Ken Womack has written the new book, Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans. Ken Womack will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates. We will be uh, providing links in the show notes today for our audience so that they can find more information about the upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, the new book, Living the Beatles Legend, Ken Womack's work on kennethwomack.com, Everything Fab Four, Ken Womack lectures about the Beatles as a Beatles expert, and this book just really brings all of this together. Ken Womack, let's talk for a minute or two about the post-Beatles journey that Mal was on, because he really he continued on after the Beatles broke up into their solo careers. What were some of those challenges that he faced and, and maybe even some of the opportunities that came his way um, during that phase of, of his life and, and the life of the Beatles? You know, it, it's interesting you bring that up because there is this feeling among Beatles folk that, you know, Mal uh, was just <laughs> left to go adrift, right? Um, and it's just not the case. And, you know, he worked with them really for the rest of his life um, and uh, was very active in the solo careers of, of John Lennon, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Paul, of course, was on the other side of the rift involving the dissolving of their their partnership um, or Mal certainly would have done anything and everything Paul wanted to and uh, and even does have a few collaborations here and there but um, you know uh, it, it, it was a period where Mal was going to live out some of his ambitions and I, I think some of these contribute to the sad eventuality of his life um, and one of them is working with bad fingers he really, he he essentially discovered the man. Really loved them, uh, the the Welsh, uh, you know, the Welsh combo um, that that had so many Beatlesque qualities to them. Great songwriters, great singers, twin guitarists. You know, they're just a wonderful band. And Mal was dead set on helping them. And it was uh, Alan Klein um, who stepped in and uh, you know refused to let Mal. Uh, work with them any any further, and uh, it really broke Mal, you know, which is what Klein meant to do. I mean, it's kind of a cruel act. Um, you know, he has other successes. Mal will 
produce a top five hit by Badfinger, no matter what, one of their best known songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he will also uh, author, compose a song with George Harrison that's on the Ringo LP called You and Me, Babe, closes the album. Um, and, you know, Mal made a nice, nice penny out of that with the residuals from that, you know, top five record. Um, so he was living out a lot of his ambitions, uh, but there were there were just so many more to go um, when he when he during after his untimely death. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a minute because that's that was controversial. Um, certainly, there was some mystery uh, around it. You really did a lot of work into that because there were a lot of rumors and myths about some of that. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about his controversial end and. You know what a what a tragic end it was. What what light were you able to shed on some of those circumstances? Well, it, it, the whole business had really been shrouded in you know, you know as you said rumor and myth, um, and, and a lot of it is wishful thinking. I find there are several stories about the Beatles where wishful thinking is involved. We want it to be a certain way, right? Um, there's a lot of that going on right now with the uh, you know with the hit song that's, yeah. that's uh, out on the airways. Yeah, and, it's and great timing. Um, you know, but um, it, it's it's just fascinating to me. And and the wishful thinking around Mal goes something like this: that he was uh, killed in a terrible mistake by the L.A. police uh, on January fourth, nineteen seventy six, and that it was, you know, a big error, a domestic standoff. You know, somebody should have helped Mal, et cetera. Um, when in truth, and and you're right, I I spent a lot of time on this because I knew it was going to be one of the key issues. Uh, alive at the heart of this story. And and frankly, even with all the work that I've done and amassing the evidence from so many different sources, there are probably still going to be some folks who don't buy it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's okay. Um, they need to ask their own questions about that. But uh, Mal, you know, Mal committed suicide by cop. Hmm. Um, there's just no way around it. He was doing all the things, sadly, that folks who are going to commit suicide do. He was preparing people, even though they couldn't tell at the time for life after Mal, you know, he would say things like, let me show you how to winterize the home. What? <laughs> you know, um, and uh, it, it, he was, you know, also uh, he wrote a will, um, you know, in a in a kind of a, a hurried state the night before everything occurred. Um, and uh, when he brandished uh, the working rifle that he had, uh, this is another one of the rumors that this is a uh, air rifle. Um, you know, it was actually a gift from his girlfriend, uh, in May, uh, 1974 when he turned, I guess it would have been 39. Um, she had given him a working Winchester rifle, which, you know, makes perfect sense for Mal, who was very much into guns. He was, he was fascinated by the old West and even had remarked at one point, uh, in 1975 that, you know, when he goes, he wants it to be a hail of bullets. Um, and he engineered exactly that. You know, the police took their time um, going upstairs in their home, you know, giving him lots of chances to give up, finally gently pushing open the door where there's Mal with the gun and he raises it and cops did what cops do. Tragic. And um, and yet we have so much of of Mal to this day, the the diaries, the manuscripts, the memorabilia that, that you referred to, the research is, as usual, Ken Womack, because you and I have talked previously about your work, is just so impressive and wonderful. Congratulations on all of this work. It just is 
fantastic. I, I have so enjoyed it. I know our audience will. And again, I can't recommend it a- enough. Living the Beatles legend, the untold story of Mal Evans. Let's talk about some of those uh, artifacts and the lost treasures, really, if you will. How did those redefine the Beatles story? Well, what they do is they give nuance to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a day-by-day calendar. We've had some great Beatles scholars out there reconstructing these moments for a long time. Mark Lewison comes immediately to mind. And here's Mal, you know, providing contemporaneous evidence that generally supports those findings. Occasionally, uh, he'll show up with some new surprises. But, you know, it's just incredibly valuable primary documentary evidence, right? Um, you know, one of the things, the first things I did when Gary Evans sent the materials here to me on the Jersey Shore is I opened up the diary and looked at May 9th, 1969. Mm. Paul McCartney told Mr. Lewison, I think back in 1991, that that was the day they broke the Beatles. They broke the Liberty Bell of the Beatles. They couldn't put it back together after that. Mm. And so I wanted to see what did Mal experience that day watching his idols, right, uh, descend into chaos and, and you know, have a war of words from which they couldn't come back and flipped right to the page. And uh, and I was so proud. I got to tell Mr. Lewison about it. I said, you're not going to believe, you know, <laughs> and he agreed. It, it, when you go to that page, there it is. All it is is a drawing. It was a moment when words would not suffice for what Mal, who was experiencing it and probably suffering deeply, there, there's an image of Paul McCartney losing his ever-loving mind as the others are asking him to sign on with the, this person who, Paul was right, proved to be their undoing. Again, I, I just – I love the book, and, and you generously sent me a copy of it. I've got it here in my hands, and I, I always enjoy the photos. And, and you made reference to the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club um, – uh, image that Mal provided that the Beatles didn't select, but nonetheless, uh, you know, it it gave Mal this sense of inclusion and, and contribution. And so many of the other photos are just, uh, they're unseen for one thing, which is fantastic. I wonder if you, do you have a favorite photo of, among them? Maybe just, maybe just tell us about one. Wow, it changes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it does. Uh, there is one in particular that I think about a lot, and that is, um, uh, Mal was in the movie Blind Man as an extra, which is one of Ringo's uh, one of Ringo's movies in the 1970s. And there is a shot of them learning to ride horseback. And it just I, every time I look at it, I think, what is this I'm seeing? <laughs> it just it kind of boggles my mind because they look like fish out of water. You don't think Mal <laughs> Evans and Ringo riding horses, but there they are. You know, uh, in, in I believe it's Spain. There they are riding horseback and Mal's shirtless. They just look it's just the strangest, most wonderful thing. Uh, these two on horseback on that film set in, I guess, 1971. It just um, it never fails to bring a smile to my face. I love Mal's wedding pictures because they were taken so beautifully by the photographer back in 1957. I go back to those. Um, my agent loves the one that Mal took of Paul when they're in uh, mm-hmm. Colorado mm-hmm. Um, during that visit in the reading where uh, they go to see Jane Asher and it, they're on a break and there's Paul shirtless lying on the rental car, you know, with his Sergeant Pepper era mustache. And it's just wonderful, you know, and, and, and what Mal does for us, 
I think, and and what I really tried to capture in this book is it humanizes this big story, right? It's still one of the biggest stories going, and there's Mal, you know, bringing this very very human element to it, which is, you know, was the magic of him. And I think if you know, if we we pulled the Beatles, they would agree that that was the best part was was Mal's humanity. Mm-hmm. So nicely, so nicely put. Again, the title of the book is Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans. Our guest today has been Ken Womack. Uh, the book is fantastic. Again, audience, check this out. It is wonderful. It's not just me saying that. Jordan Rentov, People Magazine, says a holy grail for fans, offering an extended look into the band. And Publishers Weekly says Womack's account is full of thrilling moments. Devoted fans of the band will find much to cheer about. Ken Womack, I, I know you're super busy. I so appreciate your time. I I, um, I, I want to ask you just one kind of final question about you know, what, what can we learn from Mal's story? And, and what are some of the, perhaps the lessons uh, 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 for today, you know, for aging musicians? We, we, musicians play, you know, the Stones just released their, you know, a, a, a recent album. And, and certainly these older acts are touring an awful lot. What do you think that they're going to learn from Mal Evans and his life and his career? Well, interestingly, you know, folks like the Stones or the Who would have known Mal and, and probably quite well. Um, you know, the takeaway for me, uh, I, it kind of hit home with me. I met with Pete Best uh, here in New York City a couple months ago, and um, he was in town. And, and I said, so what about Mal? And he said, first and foremost, Mal was a fan. Hmm. Um, and I think that the, maybe the larger tale about Mal involves the idea of fandom and and what it means to be really close to the objects of your passion. And, you know, Mal adored them, loved them, but his fandom does run amok, you know. I mean, he, there's a moment, almost sad moment in, during the Revolver sessions um, where the Beatles have to say, Mal, you need to go back up to Liverpool. Your daughter was just born, you know, so... It, it there's an interesting kind of cautionary tale in there somewhere mm-hmm. that I haven't fully interpreted. Um, I want the reader to do that. Mm-hmm. I think we all have to interpret our own different levels of passion or commitment or overzealousness about the objects that we adore. Yeah. Hard not to adore Mal Evans. Again, Ken Womack's been our guest. Thanks, Ken. It is so great to talk to you. I uh, I know you're working on something. We'd love to have you back when you complete that next project. And if it's about the Beatles, boy, I'll, I'll just jump at the chance. But always good to talk to you. Hope you're well. Hope your family's all well and everybody's good. And uh, do have a, rest, a good rest of your day. And I look forward to seeing you at Smithsonian Associates coming up. But thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. So for those of you who are 16 above, who might have lived through Beatlemania, I know that you've just loved this interview, and you'll love the upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation by Ken Womack. Does it make you reflect back on the icons of your past and those unsung heroes who enabled them? How could they not? So, what a treat to speak with author Smithsonian Associate Ken Womack about his upcoming presentation titled Living the Beatles Legend, the Untold Story of Mal Evans and his new book of the same name. Please 
Check out our show notes today for more details about Ken Womack's upcoming presentation at Smithsonian Associates. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. Join us again next time as we deep dive into some of the most fascinating real-life stories from across the world, all focused on this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on community radio.